Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Goalpost. Week 3 has come and gone in the NFL, and the Cincinnati Bengals have scraped out their first win of the season. They still don't look good though, Patrick. That's where we gotta start this one. Yeah, they don't look good. And neither does really Monday Night Football in general. I think we've kind of fallen back into that uh, that primetime stinker kind of way to start the year. I mean, the only one that comes to mind off the top of my head is the season opener between the Chiefs and the Lions. But aside from that, it's not been pretty primetime. And the Bengals were, uh, were fell in line with that. And same with the Rams. It was kind of just a, a gross game that... I guess with the final score, there was a little bit of controversy with that overturned 2-2 Atwell uh, touchdown. I mean, what did you think of that call? I, I It was kind of 50-50 for me. Yeah, I think they let that, that call go more times than they don't. I was a bit surprised to see them take that one back. I mean, in terms of primetime games, the NFL has really been struggling so far this year. I, that felt like a moment where it was almost like they were trying to drum something up and ended up not you know, making the difference, but that was really the story of the game anyways, was the Rams not being able to get it done in the red zone. Like they had three red zone drives where they ended up with one TD. So I think that anytime you want to win a game, especially in a tight one like that, that just can't happen. Yeah. And I mean, Kyron Williams dropped what seemed like a million passes. Uh, He had a a lot of targets and it just seemed like he wasn't able to really bring the ball in and kind of make those plays with his feet. And I mean, it was the Super Bowl rematch, so I guess that's kind of, well from two years ago that you're trying to you know drum up that hype and that uh, just extra added on top of the game. But it just the Bengals don't seem to have it early. I don't know if Joe Burrow he's injured or it's because he wasn't playing in preseason. But that offense just looks like a shell of what it's been since he's been in the league, Damian. And it's weird mistakes too because Joe's looking like like he's throwing passes into people's feet. Like a lot of the time, a lot of those drops last night, you couldn't necessarily pin on the receiver because they were reaching down to their ankles to grab it. Like there's something that's weird with his throwing motion. He just looks completely off. And anybody, including myself, who drafted him in fantasy is absolutely kicking themselves right now. Yeah. And the one play that kind of really stuck out to me in terms of like injury watch for Joe Burrow was after he got hit by Aaron Donald, I think it might have been either late in the second quarter or early in the third quarter but he kind of got hit like right as he threw and boy did he just like he got up grimacing it felt like it looked like everything in his body was in pain and I I mean I don't know I don't want to speculate we're you know we're taught not to speculate but Joe Burrow just doesn't look good and Cincinnati as a whole is kind of suffering like their defense stepped up huge tonight you mentioned like the Rams weren't finishing off these red zone scores but give credit to the Cincinnati defense a bit because they came through and arguably won them this game tonight or last yeah, night th- this could have easily been an 0-3 start to the season for the Bengals and their defense was really the thing that prevented that from happen happening which was really the story about the Bengals last year to start the season was their defense really coming in clutch for them and kind of propping them up as a team for a long time that just can't happen anymore especially in an AFC North this year that is clearly going to be a bloodbath like the Steelers won the Browns won and you get the Ravens to drop a game on the weekend which was big but you can't be dropping this many games this early or else you'll just find yourself out of the picture no and going down 0-3 it's 
not impossible, but it's extremely difficult to make the playoffs. And I mean, Cincinnati was already 0-2 in the AFC North division. So not only are you 0 you, you haven't beat an AFC North opponent yet, but you almost went to 0-3. So that saved their season. And now it's must wins pretty much whenever you play an AFC North opponent for Cincy going forward in the season. But Damien, like what I saw out of Cincinnati and what I've seen in the first three weeks, they don't look like a playoff team to me. Well, I think that that's the most concerning thing is that nobody's scared to play them anymore. Like it takes, it goes that quickly in the NFL, whether you're a team that people are intimidated to play legitimately versus one that people are circling on their schedule to say, we can beat the Bengals this week. I think that you lose that culture so quickly in terms of being able to kind of roll through seasons and have that kind of championship mentality. We're going to get back to the AFC championship. We're going to beat the Chiefs again. Like it's it's that kind of mentality that has slowly almost been weakening since that Super Bowl run. And you can't lose that this year. Like you need to keep on building here. No, and it's week three and they, they had to pull out all the stops, bringing out those all, all white jerseys there. in prime time. And I mean, if they didn't pull off that win and those all whites, woof. Would have been a tough luck. Pardon my French, but you look like such an asshole when you're in full white Bengal Tiger uniforms and you're putting up three and then barely six points before half. I think the Bengals need to give their head a shake a little bit. And they just need a get-right game so badly. And I think fans wanted this to be it. Right in prime time, you know, like prove the haters wrong. Let's shut everybody up and let's just get right on with this season. But if anything, that win just caused more questions than it did provide answers. And I mean, you said they, they kind of need a get right game. It's not going to be an easy one for them next week. They're going to the Titans in a 1 p.m. Yeah. slate. That just Those seem to be the games that the Bengals have been kind of sleepwalking through to start the season. And I mean, you know, the Titans are going to get up for just about every game that they play this year. Yeah, they, they play hard. They will talk about their game against the Browns a bit later. Um, but on the NFC side, the other Monday nighter game, the Eagles just roll over the Bucks. The big story of this game was that the Eagles ran at will and the Bucks did not. The Eagles completely shut down the Bucks' run game, forced Baker to pass a lot. And, you know, the Bucks came down to earth a bit. This wasn't a 3-0 team. They had a great start to the season. Um, but if anything, this kind of just shored up some Eagles questions. I think a lot of people were kind of looking for a letdown spot maybe in, for them, but they just seem to kind of keep on getting better, and I don't think they're going to trail off as many as much as people might have thought after those first two games. Yeah, I think they're only going to get better as the season goes along. Yeah. And I mean, you know, going wire to wire against the Bucks is exactly what you were looking for from the Eagles, and I think kind of what you expected as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it was another snoozer game, though, that was just done at halftime, and I mean... You said it like the Bucks. they were 2-0 going into this game and, you know, it was an undefeated matchup and the Bucks, the Bucks look like they should have been borderline. Oh, should be borderline. Oh, and three credit to them, though, for finding ways to win in those first two weeks. I mean, you are what your record says you are, but I can't see like what I saw to Tampa was was not pretty. I mean, Mike Evans is is a still an elite wide receiver. He had a beautiful catch, uh, a touchdown reception as well. And Baker, he tries hard. He he tries really hard, but he's he's got a ceiling limitation on what he can bring to this offense. And I mean, you saw when you're going against a quarterback such as Jalen Hurts in a running game like the Eagles have, 
you're, there's just different tiers in the NFL, and I think the Bucks are like two to three tiers below what the Eagles are. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting down the line to kind of see how the Bucks shake up that division a bit. Like, do they have enough juice to kind of take down the Falcons, take down the Saints in that race? Because they've shown some fight. The Saints obviously take a bit of a blow this past week. Um, but the Falcons look like a team that's kind of going to be around the top of that division fighting for it all year. So the Bucks are going to kind of have to grind out some really big wins down the stretch and, and put themselves in a good position so that they can they can win football games without, you know, having to out talent the other team all the time. Yeah, and it, it like they tried to get the running game going with Tampa, but then it, it wasn't going early and then they were just getting behind. So then it's like, yeah. hey, you have to throw, throw, throw. And I mean, they just couldn't do anything really offensively for the entire game. And I mean, 11 points reflects that, but you said it like that division is kind of up for grabs. Like if, if Tampa Bay can find a way to just beat the teams that they are better than like the bears, like that's a game they have to win. They pulled off a little upset against the Vikings week one. You're going to new Orleans next week, right? New Orleans, Derek Carr is injured. We'll, we'll get into that. But I mean, like those are the games yeah if you want to compete and make the playoffs you have to beat your division opponents and right now is a good time to kind of get new orleans because they seem to maybe have offense that isn't running what it would be maybe with Derek carr it could be new systems so i mean tampa bay is far from dead i mean it's only week three you're two and one and tied for the division lead and it's kind of just like next week yeah yeah it's like can you keep the foot on the pedal because they look like they're not going to be an easy game. Like it looks like the Bucs are going to be trying and working hard. Yeah. And you know, if their defense didn't have to stay out on the field so much last night, it might've been a different game. I, I do still think they have a really talented defense and that'll, that'll give you points, you know, down the line, they'll, they'll kind of earn back some wins down the line. That's a huge game next week against the saints. That's one to keep your eye on. Um, but that pretty much did it for Monday night. It was a pretty tame Monday nighter. Um, but that will take us back to Sunday, week three. We'll start with your Steelers, Patrick, earning a grimy win against the Raiders on Sunday night football. What are your initial thoughts on kind of a bounce back Steelers week? It's it's the best they've looked this season, I would say, especially offensively. Uh, it, and it didn't get off to a good start either. I think they had two three and outs to start the game and and then Vegas scored a touchdown and I, I was I thought Matt Canada might get fired at halftime. Uh, I mean, somehow he earned a promotion. Did you see that, Damien? I didn't. He got some not like a formal uh, promotion, but it was something along the lines of he's now working one on one directly with Kenny Pickett because he believes that will help the offense, and so does Mike Tomlin. So he's he's, he's like, like the offensive quarter quarterback coach too. Almost. Well, like- he was formerly the Steelers quarterbacks coach. Big Ben days, right? Promoted to offensive coordinator two years ago, and then now it's like he's almost the quarterbacks coach and OC. So he just has more responsibility on offense now, more and, control over Kenny's brain. Exactly, and that happened like the day before the Raiders game, and I, I can't believe it. But they seem to find a play that works, and they almost throw to the sidelines so much that it's like. When you throw that the the two passes over the middle, it's almost guaranteed touchdowns. Like that Calvin Austin touchdown was the exact same as that George Pickens touchdown last week. It, it mirrored it. Yeah. So if you're gonna give me one home run play a game, Matt Canada, you you might live if you can continually put up twenty or more points. But 
First time they put up 20 or more points this year. Nice to get that win against the Raiders. You, you have to win those games. It's interesting you mentioned the sideline throws because it's something even as like, you know, somebody who doesn't have a lot of stakes in the game, you notice because they're trying to make Kenny fit these balls into some crazy windows that I just don't think that it's it's tailored towards his kind of skill set. You know, like I think that once he does have that mobility and can move up a bit and throw those deep balls, you see him kind of open up a bit. Um, but Kenny was somebody like on Sunday night, it really showed that he had to warm into the game a bit. I think in the second half, they looked a lot more comfortable and a lot more what this offense should look like there. I, I hate to do this to you, but they're reminding me of like the commanders, like there are weapons on this offense and it's a lot of untapped potential. I think that once they do, then they'll start to gain some respect. Some heat will be taken off Canada if he keeps on calling games a bit better each week like it seems like he's at least taking some feedback and kind of changing up the game plan each week and that's all you can really ask for yeah they had they seem to kind of fall in love with this play of kenny kind of just rolling out to his left yeah and then throwing towards that side but that would actually seem to like have some success you're getting six eight sometimes ten plus yards on those throws i'm sure defenses will figure that out pretty quickly but it seemed to work in that game. And the one thing the Steelers do have going for them, though, they can get after the quarterback as well as any team in the in the league. TJ Watts still got it. Six sacks in three games. Highsmith off the edge is, is a beast as well. Where they are kind of vulnerable, running up the middle. Uh, with Cam Hayward out, it's it hurts a lot in that center of the defense. And we saw it against Cleveland. Nick Chubb had big success. Injured. Jerome Ford came in, had immediate success. So... I was surprised to see Vegas not run the ball as much as they like. They were just throwing it to Devontae Adams all game. I mean, you is, talk about people who are, are in a bit of a funk. Josh Jacobs right now looks like he's running in snow pants. Like he he's finding linemen to run into at the line. Like it's bad. It is bad. And like that's a game that he should go for 80 yards. Oh, and totally. You should be pounding the rock because Steelers were never up by two or three scores. Like you can no. still run the ball. You were never in a position where you had to throw. Right. Um, but I don't know, man. The Steelers, they win ugly. They all they usually win ugly. The Kenny Pickett era has been ugly. But they're two and one. They're leading the AFC North. And you got the Texans next week. You can Can't be sorry in a spot. about leading the, the division. Exactly. You're in a spot where you can go three and one. And I mean, that's a, as good of a season, as good of a way to start the season after that blowout loss to San Fran in week one. So nice to see them get back on their feet. Yeah, that was pretty much the story of it. Uh, but we'll go now into the four o'clock slate and start with the biggest upset of the day. One that Patrick was all over. The cards upset the Cowboys in a game that not a lot of people saw coming, um, but one that just smacked the Cowboys in the mouth. They lose this one 28 to 16. It wasn't even one score. Like you can't even say that this was like a close game that they got burned at the end. No, it was uh, the Cardinals wire to wire. I couldn't believe it when I saw the score. It was about the second quarter when I checked it. And I didn't put too much faith into it. I thought that lead would kind of evaporate. I was just hoping to cover 13 points. And they did more than that. They almost won by 13 points, won by 12. And they played this, so hard, man. Dude, this Cardinals team, they cover spreads. It's it's beautiful to watch. I don't know how Josh Dobbs is. It's shocking to see Josh Dobbs like even be in the NFL. And now he's starting and, and beating what I think a lot of people thought were kind of 
possibly the best team in the NFC, maybe in the NFL going into this week. And I mean, I think those uh, kind of expectations were put to bed a bit after this one. Man, like there is no more predictable Cowboys story than making everybody in the league believe that you are one of the juggernauts and then going out the next week and losing to a team that you have no business losing to. It's just too predictable. Like Dak, at the end of the game, they take six minutes for a drive to get down to the red zone where they need two scores. And then Dak throws the pick in the end zone. Like it was just, if you could script a Cowboys loss, it would look like this one. Yeah, and somehow people keep falling for this Cowboys hype like every single year. And not to say that, I mean, I didn't, but I mean, I thought like the Cardinals, like 13 points was insane to me for what the Cardinals have shown so far in the season. They've been in every game and it's not like like they're playing really smart football. And I think they have to with Josh Dobbs at quarterback, but they're not turning it over. They're running the ball and they have a good defense. And I mean, they seem to like they like they seem to like Gannon. I didn't see that coming, you know, with his uh, preseason press conferences and how he was like shaking the players' hands, kind of being a weirdo. But they seem to like him. They gave him the Gatorade bath after the win, and I mean, the Cardinals are. It also goes to show how hard it is to go zero and seventeen in the NFL because I think a lot of people thought the Cardinals would be the worst team in the league. Absolutely, and I think that they've absolutely proven that they're not the worst team in the league even from like a effort standpoint from people who still give a shit and want to win football games I think it's refreshing to see and I think the opposite of that is seen in the next game we'll talk about very briefly Kansas City 41 Chicago 10 Chicago is miles away the worst team in the NFL I've never seen a team with least like less juice in them they are just absolutely dead and wounded. It was more interesting to follow the Taylor Swift story than this game. Yeah, it was, Damien. I mean, oh, I've, it's it's awful to see Justin Fields, how how he has fallen. I mean, since the end of last season, I think, I think almost everyone was like, kind of like, okay, he's not, he's got a chance at least, right? Not like you're crowning him as as some some top five quarterback, but you're like, okay, the bears might have found something with Justin Fields. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's Justin's confidence or whatever it is, but it is really bad in Chicago right now. And I mean, I like, I don't know who goes first, whether you make a move with fields, you make a move with the coaching staff or whatever, but next week they're playing the Broncos. And I think what, will be the worst game of the NFL season, if I had to guess. And Damien, let's play guess the spread. Yeah, this is a a mind-bending spread for me to wrap my head around. You have to favor the – it's in Chicago, right? It's in Chicago, 1 o'clock start. 1 o'clock start in Chicago. Broncos coming off one of the worst losses in NFL history. Bears at home. I'm going to say the Broncos by two and a half. Close Broncos minus three and and it is juiced to three, so it might go to two and a half for game time. So okay. that's a pretty accurate, uh, pretty accurate guess the spread. But I don't want that game on my TV. I don't, I don't want, want it on it. my red zone. Don't, don't show it on my red zone. Don't show it anywhere. Well, they'd have to get a touchdown for it to show up on red zone. So we'll we'll see if that even happens. It's a very good point. Uh, the four o'clock slate was pretty quiet. Uh, other than this, the Seahawks pull out a win over the Panthers, 
I think people were looking for the Seahawks to slip a bit. I think the Panthers should have kind of covered this game. It got a bit away from them at the end. Um, Dalton was pressured like a really healthy amount by the Seahawks. I thought their D looked good. Um, but for the Seahawks, they just kind of get back to level with this game. I think this is a game that they should have won and a game that they kind of just moved past. You got another win. Yeah, it was a sneaky, fun game in the four o'clock slate because, like you said, it was very underwhelming. Uh, The Panthers do look a lot better with Dalton as their quarterback. He just moves the ball. Their their defense is really bad, though. People really trying to hype up like Brian Burns and some of these pieces that they have on defense. They haven't shown anything and allowing 37 points and like four of them are field goals. Like their defense was keeping them in the game a bit. And then they just folded in the second half and like it it got away from them. Yeah, it's a it's a team that, you know, they're just going to have to kind of grind through this season. Hope you develop Bryce Young a bit under Dalton, make him a bit smarter. You get a good draft pick next year. It's one of those grimy years of a rebuild. Here's here's the problem with Carolina. Chicago has their first rounder this year. Oh, so do you play that. Andy Dalton for the rest of the year, or at least a large majority of the rest of the year, and he gives you a better chance to win some games now? I would say, or do you, you know, like you said, you stick it out with Bryce Young. It's gonna be rough. It's gonna be treacherous, and you might come bottom three. And then you, Chicago has two top three picks. Yeah, that that is a nightmare scenario. Uh, I it it almost makes me agree with you in the former that you kind of want to keep your fans into it and try and get some wins with Andy Dalton to like actually keep your fan base engaged because there's nothing worse than having a punted season and nothing to show for it. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I lean to. You also like the fans won't make immediate decisions on Bryce Young right? You'll be like, oh, there's, you know, we don't know yet. We'll see yeah. what he's about. So you're not going to get negative um, like you could if if he has a really rough rookie season. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Panthers are in a bad spot this year. Agreed. Uh, we will now move to another game that was surprising and an upset. The Indianapolis Colts beat the Ravens 22 to 19 on a last second field goal. Absolute belter from like 54 yards i think and this was a shocking game you have gardner Minshew coming in for the injured anthony richardson and he kind of does like what andy dalton does like they just were able to get the ball downfield enough to stay in this game and kick field goals and and keep up and beat a ravens team that they really shouldn't have yeah the the colts aren't worse with gardner Minshew at quarterback instead of anthony richardson i think it's they're the same and if anything, you have more stability with Gardner and like this is how you win games if you're the Colts. 22-19, like your your def- defense is playing well, keeping you in this game. And I mean, Matt Gay with four field goals over 50 yards right in front of Justin Tucker. You love to see it. And I mean, this is just a game that Baltimore loses. Like they lose these games. It feels like one that or two was my every first year. instinct every time. It's like either the Texans or some fucking bullshit team that they should not, you know, even be in the game against. And I think that that's where a lot of, you know, when you get to playoff discussions about the Ravens, that's where a lot of the doubt creeps in. You're like, well, in week three, they lost this game. And then in week six, they went to overtime with this team. And then, in, you know, like it's, there's always a crack in kind of the, foundation of Baltimore when you bring up these losses and you're right this is one that they can't really afford to lose right now if they want to 
win the division and be at the top of the AFC. And you can tell, like, they kind of, they just strayed from what the game plan was in the first two weeks where Lamar seemed to be, you know, throwing the ball a lot more, only running when he, like, kind of has to. But, I mean, on Sunday, he, he had 14 rushes for, I mean, over 100 yards and two touchdowns, which is a great stat line. But you didn't get the win. So like sometimes it's like, hey, Lamar, like we need you to just kind of do what's in your power and you don't have to do more than that. And Baltimore should have a good enough defense and just like enough weapons for Lamar now where he isn't going to have to be that guy in his rookie and sophomore season. Like he can kind of change what he is and become more of a dual threat instead of a run first quarterback. Yeah, he... You know, we have to mention Gus Edwards going down. They've had some killer in, uh, injuries in the run game. Um, but again, you can't really point to that as a reason to lose this game. You should be able to beat the Colts without Gus Edwards and, you know, pick up that elsewhere. They they targeted Zay Flowers a ton early in the game. And then late in the game, they didn't. They kind of strayed away from him. He's really good on those screen plays. They didn't really throw a lot of those to him. And this is a game in a few weeks they're really going to be kicking themselves for losing. So keep an eye on that for the rest of the Ravens season. Um, but that will bring us now to the most electric game of the weekend. The Miami Dolphins put up a, I don't even know what the term is for it. I don't know if you can call it a 70 burger. It, you almost need like a, you need the Shannon Sharp, a 50 piece and 20 extra flats. Because they demolished the Denver Broncos. It wasn't even close. Yeah, I, I told you this before, but I guess I'll share it again. I was out on I was out golfing when this game was going on and I really had no idea what the what the scores were. And my buddy just goes to me and he says, Miami won 70 to 20. And I couldn't get that score out of my head the the rest of the day. 70 points, Damien. I can only imagine what that was like for you just watching it. It was ridiculous. Um I, I've never watched a football game with my dad when where he had less to be angry about. He loves getting upset at plays, and it was just nothing. Like, he couldn't – there was nothing to pick apart. Like, even at the end of the first half, they were up 35 to 13, I think, or 35 to 10. And in the second quarter if you, or in the second half, if you switched the game and came back – the Dolphins had scored a touchdown. Like it was that chosen Anderson touchdown. Like I, I flipped away for maybe 30 seconds from my TV and I came back and they were up another seven. Yeah, it was. There's not even a lot to break down from the game. It was such a beating. No, I I just watched the highlights and they had literally a TD counter 10 touchdowns. I was like, I was just shocked. They just kept scoring touchdowns, finishing off drives. I mean, Devon Atchin, I guess that's something we can kind of break down. He looked great, and that was his first like real action, I guess you could say. He looked fantastic, and this this crop of running backs from this past draft class has got to be some of the fastest in history. Like you watch B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, um, Devon Achain, like they are lightning quick, and it's part of this Dolphins offense. Troy Aikman mentioned it on the broadcast last night, CFL-style offense. It's like mixing my two favorite things together, the Dolphins and the CFL. And they are just torching teams. Like if you have guys who are this fast, they're running entire motions to guys who aren't even getting the ball. Like they're just throwing the defense for an absolute loop. And nobody knows what to do. If you bring them down low, you get killed over the top. If you bring everybody back, Mostert or A-Chain is going to tear you up on the ground. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. And 
I mean, they're running the ball, so I, I think they hurt us, Damien. I, they definitely I they had to have too. hurt us. Who Who's the starter in the backfield going forward? Or is it going to be like a split kind of dual? Well, say? What, what's it's your, an interesting you conversation because no, not a few weeks ago even, we were talking about adding Jonathan Taylor to this Dolphins team. Now it seems, you know, pointless. Like, why would you give up all that capital to get Jonathan Taylor where you have these two guys buzzing? I think... Mostert has established himself as the lead back. I think he's looked great so far this year. He's getting downhill really fast. Um, but if you can pull out a chain on this, like how do you how do you prepare for that as defenses? Either of them could be a number one option right now, it looked like. Whether he takes a step back or whether he continues kind of a rip, maybe this was just a kind of one-off off, you know, against not a great defense. Um, but, you know, the next couple of weeks, the Dolphins are really going to have to show it. They play the Bills next week. And then after that, they play the Eagles and the Chiefs, you know, all by week nine. So by week nine, you have the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs. Three absolute prove-it games. I think, speaking of the Eagles, they're going to have to really prove that they can run the ball against the Eagles, looking at how they just shut down the Bucs. Um, but there's a lot to be positive about the Dolphins right now, and it's a fun time to be a Dolphins fan. Yeah, I mean, I I guess by week nine, we'll kind of know who's who's legit. And I mean, Miami's Big definitely going to be in that conversation. Have you seen the spread uh, for Buffalo next week? Uh, I think I might have heard it. I want to say it was, okay. it, it's like a field goal Buffalo or two and a half Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo yeah. two and a half might, might go to two. You got to be thinking Miami money line, right? Absolutely. I love that we're playing this game in September. And you get kind of you you avoid that cold weather snow game early. The Bills have been dropping, you know, they dropped that Jets divisional game. If the Dolphins can can squeeze out a win here in Buffalo, it's huge to start this season. Like you then they play they play the Giants and the Panthers within that mix of teams. So they have a couple games that they could, if they win this game, this Bills game, get to six and one before having to start that stretch against Kansas City and the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, no no better place to be, right? And I mean, it's it's the same thing with the Dolphins. I mean, if if two is healthy, that offense is absolutely lethal and the defense seems to be playing pre- at a pretty high level as well. But you just got to keep Tua Tua upright, right? Keep him off his butt. I've been impressed with how he's been able to kind of avoid pressure. I don't even think he got his jersey dirty in that game. Um, but we'll move now to one of the more disappointing AFC losses. On Sunday, the Jaguars lose 37 to 17 against the Houston Texans. Jacksonville, who was slated to have a 12 13 win season, drops a game that is stunning to see. Like, that's the only way I could put this one. It was stunning to see their offense in this one. It, there's a trend emerging from this game. The Texans own Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has played them five times, he's one and four against them in his career. And I mean, this is the game I should have gave with the Texans plus the points instead of the Panthers. I was between the two. No, no one cares, but is what it is. Jacksonville, for some reason, can't beat the Texans. Like it's it's every year they it's lose one of the, the more Texans. shocking stats that I saw on Sunday. It's like, wait, wait a minute. Like the Texans haven't been relevant since the since Trevor Lawrence has been in the league. How does that happen? Yeah, since 2019 was the last time the the Texans had a winning record. And it's it, this trend just continues. And I mean, you said it like people were 
very quick to crown Jacksonville as like this sexy team, you know, uh, AFC contender, look out for them. They haven't done anything to put them like to actually prove that they belong in this conversation. Trevor Lawrence has had a pretty brutal start to the season. So you, you had Joe Burrow, you drafted Joe Burrow in your fantasy. I have Trevor Lawrence. So I'm, I'm very disappointed with how he started the season. Um, and I think they all just kind of fooled us week one a bit, right? It was like Calvin Ridley's having a huge game. Etienne's having a huge game. And they just kind of beat up on the Colts. And, I mean, you just dropped two games that, I mean, the, the Chiefs, excusable loss, but you look bad in that loss, only putting up nine points. And, and then this one's just inexcusable. If you're the Jags right now, you're supposed to be two and one with one of the more electric offenses in the league and a team that people are afraid to play against. Again, like the Bengals, that has changed very quickly. People are not as scared to play Jacksonville, even as they were two weeks ago. Uh, And I think that that's hard to build back that rep, especially in the AFC. I think you can get away with that a bit more in the NFC. Um, But a huge win for the Texans. They're similarly to the Cardinals showing that they're playing with a lot of heart. I think C.J. Stroud looks great. Uh, It's not surprising to see because they are keeping him as a pocket passer and letting him kind of do what he does best. And he's set up to succeed in that sense. Um, And how about the combo with him and Tank? What a name. Tank Dell. Five receptions, 145 yards, and a TD. Yeah, I mean, the Texans... CJ Stroud might break this Ohio State quarterback curse, and I hope he's the guy because things are looking gl- gloom with uh, with Justin Fields right now. So it's nice to have that CJ Stroud bright spot. And I mean, Texans fans just got to be happy to see that. Like, I don't know if he he, he broke that record for not throwing an interception with uh, X amount of pass attempts. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was 20 for 30 for 280 yards and, and two touchdowns. I mean, he just looks like he 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 belongs in this game speed, and he's kind of picked it up pretty quickly. And I mean, Bryce Young didn't look too good in the those first two weeks. Anthony Richardson looked kind of electric right before he got injured with the two rushing touchdowns. But we'll see if he can. Justin Fields also looked electric when he runs the ball as a quarterback, so we'll see if he can start throwing the ball. But I mean, C.J. Stroud early, very early on, looks like the best quarterback out of this class, and. I'm excited to watch him for the rest of the season. Agreed. I think the Texans are somebody to actually keep your eye on on Sundays now because they play pretty fun games too, which is something you definitely couldn't say about the Texans of the past. And you know there's there's a million Texans wide receivers on the waiver wire in fantasy leagues everywhere. So exactly. keep an eye for those guys. Exactly. We'll now move to quickly talk about a comeback involving the Green Bay Packers. They come out 18-17 over the Saints in a big win. Some. You know what amazes me sometimes how great Vegas gets lines like they they put this as a pick them and the Packers come back and win by one point. Stuff like that always blows my mind a bit. Um, But despite, you know, missing Bakhtiari, Jones, Christian Watson, uh, Jordan Love showed some serious moxie, I'll say, in this game. Uh, He threw a ton of balls. He went 22 for 44, 259 and a passing touchdown uh, as well as a rushing touchdown. I think that this was a game where you he kind of bought the trust of Packers fans a bit. I think that this was a game that the Packers of old like managed to win somehow, like a, a crazy deficit that they come back and win. And, and that was kind of what I took away from this one is that Jordan Love is slowly but surely earning that fan base's like love and trust. 
Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's rapid pace now. I think it yeah. did start slow and then I think you're right. Like after this start, I think a lot of Packers fans are are all in on Jordan Love and and I I don't blame them for one bit. I mean, you're two and one, first in the NFC North. I mean, that's that I feel like they're kind of right in line with the Saints too. So like being able to kind of get ahead of them and and get that win is huge and if they have to fight for a wild card down the stretch. And it just kind of pisses me off a bit, though, Damian, that Green Bay can just just draft these quarterbacks and they seem to always work out. I mean, in the past, I guess it'd be, what, 40 years now? They're, okay. they're three of three on kind of, well, two of two, question mark on the third, but he he's off to a pretty damn good start for his career. And another draft pick where at the time people were like, why the hell are you drafting this guy? Yada, yada, yada. Now, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but they clearly saw the writing kind of on the wall with Aaron Rodgers, I think. Whether you want to say that they pushed him out eventually or whether that was already deteriorating, regardless, they found their guy. I think that this is somebody that you can kind of hit your wagon to, especially in this offense with a lot of young weapons. Like Once they do get guys like Aaron Jones and Christian Watson back, this is an even scarier team to play against. And I think right now they are seriously, you know, threatening the Lions in who's going to be the top dog in this division. Yeah, I think it's it's a battle between those two teams. I think you had the Packers winning the NFC North and I had the Lions might have had the Vikings, which would have been a not a good take. But either way, I had it's it's nice to see that, you know, this division's kind of turning over a new leaf. In a sense, I mean, I know the Packers, the logo still there, but it's a different team yeah. uh, than the ones before. And I think the other thing to take away from this game is, is unfortunately, Derek Carr had to had to leave with that injury. Um, I don't know how serious it is. I, I haven't done my the best homework on it. It doesn't, from what I've heard, it, it doesn't seem to be long term. No. Yeah. And I don't know if he's going to be starting next week. I kind of... Would love to see Jameis start in a game. I think Saints games would be a lot more electric to watch. But I mean, I also, I don't know. Do you like, it's kind of a similar situation with, I guess, the Colts and and the Panthers. It's like, do you get worse if Jameis Winston's your starting quarterback over Derek Carr? I don't know. I think that, I think you do a bit, just in the sense that I think Carr was kind of, you know, you did all the, the preseason snaps with him. He's been first team this entire year. Jameis is just always a bit of a wild card. Uh, I think that the receivers want Carr in this game a bit more than they do Jameis. Uh, he has an AC joint sprain and will be week to week, not yet ruled out for week four versus Bucks. Uh, but the Saints are going to have to do some thinking because, like we mentioned earlier, this is a big game. Like this is a game that if you want to find yourself at the top of this division at the end of the year, you have to win. Um, so he's been kind of floating around on the week to week thing, but I, I think they need they need him to play in this game if they really want to beat the Bucks. I think. Yeah, it's either that or you just go full Taysom Hill, full yeah, on Taysom Hill, him do it and before. just yeah, and then all those people who have him as a as a tight end in fantasy somehow reap those benefits. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it's, it's a, the saints got better figure out quick. I think they got to make that decision very early on in the week. So like they can have a full week of practice with whoever their quarterback is. And I mean, you better show up on Sunday against the box because they need that one. Yeah. We'll now go to a team that desperately needed a win on Sunday and they were able to get it. The chargers come out 28 to 24 over the Minnesota Vikings 
dropped the Vikings to 0-3. 0-3 for this Vikings team. They wanted to shut everybody up about how many one-score games they were in last year as a 13-win team. They didn't want to hear any of it, but it's clearly showing now. This team was not as good as they showed last year, and it's catching up to them. The, the walls are quickly closing in on, on the Vikings. I mean, it's it's kind of shocking from, I mean, last year you, you said it, all the, all the one-score wins that they got. I mean, they made the playoffs, won the division. And um, and then like the second they went out in the wild card round, it's kind of you've lost five in a row, right? Four since then, and now Kirk Cousins, his name is getting brought up in trade conversations out out of nowhere, and you're zero and four, and and you you have the best wide receiver in, in the league, and I mean I just don't understand how the Vikings found themselves in this position so I mean, quickly. I think that it's so interesting because. Adam Schefter brought up a good point yesterday talking about it. Like if you're the Vikings trading Kirk is immediately punting on your season. Like you are immediately giving up any chance at stirring any noise. I think they need to wait at least till like a week six, a week seven. Like if you're one in six, you know, go for it. Like absolutely blow this shit up. And I think that they won't get to that point. I think that they will come back to earth a bit and kind of even and out a little bit. But in order to get to that point, they got to show that they can win these close games again. Like Jordan, they almost get it to Addison on the end there. But like you almost shouldn't be in that spot of the game if you're the Vikings. They let up way too much on defense today. This defense sucks. They sucked. And you know what? Shout out to Staley. He realized he wasn't even going to have to run the ball today. And they they did not they run didn't. the ball. It yeah. was it was kind of hilarious to watch those highlights. It was just Herbert, 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 and then Keenan Allen. Shout out, nice touchdown pass. Uh, but I mean, this is kind of when the Herbert. This is where the Herbert fans. That's this is where they go. We where told they you so. Up. We told yeah. you so. Because he was a beast today. He was forty of forty-seven, four hundred and five yards, three passing touchdowns. It's crazy. It's. That is his ceiling, and I think we all know that his ceiling's there. I think the biggest knock on Herbert is he doesn't do it on a week-to-week basis. He kind of picks and chooses when he wants to show up, and you know, like in the Dolphins game, it's when the lights are brightest, are you going to show up and do what you know you have to do to win these games? And we haven't really seen that from Herbert yet. I mean, this was a great game from him, but that's kind of the step that he has to take to actually get into this elite quarterback conversation, I would say. And kind of the step that the Chargers have to take in order to get into the elite team conversation. Like, this is the first step in showing that the lights were extremely bright. You needed a win. You went and got one. And that's the same for Herbert. I think the Chargers need to now continually show that and prove that almost at a week-to-week basis to kind of gain that reputation back, to gain you know, themselves as game breakers and people you don't want to get into a pissing contest with. I think they've lost a bit of that reputation, but they're now slowly getting it back. So that was a huge win for the Chargers. I think it's an absolute nightmare, even more for them if they go to 0-3 than the Vikings. Yeah, I can see that because, I mean, you have to play the Chiefs uh, twice and they haven't played them once yet. And yeah, I mean, but aside from that, you do uh, like... I, I thought the AFC West was going to be a lot better than it seems to be so far this season. So you do kind of have what might be a gift. It's never a gift when you're playing a divisional opponent, but 
to have the Broncos and the Raiders as your two other division opponents, that's a pretty nice uh, bounce for the Chargers this year. It's a good point. Um, We'll move now to any other notables from Sunday. The Lions get right against the Falcons. I think this was a game that really showed Falcons fans that aside pretty much from Desmond Ritter, they're a team that's actually surprisingly built to win. I think their defense has shown a lot of jam early. I think that they were on the field for way too long in this game. I think that they have weapons on offense, but I have absolutely zero confidence in Desmond Ritter, like making a play in the, in the red zone. Yeah. I mean, this, this game went kind of the way I I would have expected it to go. I thought there would have been more points. I I took the over, but Atlanta is handicapped on offense a bit with Desmond Ritter. And I'm not saying to give up on him, but it's similar to Kenny Pickett where you got to show me something, man. You got to show me that you're just not this this serviceable dude and you have a serious limitation on what your ceiling is because you got some athletes around you, right? Like you got Bijan Robinson, Pitts, Drake London, nice young core in Atlanta. And they got to find out very quickly if Ritter's going to be their quarterback or not. I mean, Arthur Smith, he draws up a pretty good offense for them not to turn the ball over, but it's far from explosive and yeah. far from like, I don't know. They just they won't put up a lot of points. And when you play a team like the Lions, who are built to put up a lot of points and have a pretty solid defense, you're probably going to lose those games. And we kind of saw that today. Like the Lions were just the better team. Yeah, I, I just think that in an offense with so many young guns, like he just seems like the odd man out. Like even from on paper, you're like, oh, Desmond Ritter. Like that just doesn't seem to fit in there. No, like for some reason, I can I just. Is he the exact same quarterback as Marcus Mariota? It, it's it's not insane to question because with seeing Mariota in that offense last year, like it doesn't look a whole lot different. No, I would say it almost looks like the exact same. I think they let Ritter throw the ball a little bit more, but the passes are like two yards, three yeah. yards. So it's very limited. I, I, I don't know. The Falcons yeah. are not a fun watch, mm-hmm. similar to the Steelers. They're not a fun watch. Yeah, I agree. Uh, two other teams that failed in absolute certainty to put up offense on Sunday, the Titans and the Commanders. Titans lose 27-3 to to the Browns. I had the Titans plus three and a half thinking that, you know, after grinding out a win against the Chargers last year, they would have some or last week, they would have something this week. Um, but the Titans offense just had absolutely nothing to work with in, in this game. And I think even more so that was an indictment on the Browns defense. They are incredible. They set a record for the least amount of pass yard or a, a least amount of total yards allowed in the first three games of a season. They held them to 26 rushing yards and 104 passing yards. It's like they played two quarters. Yeah, it it was quite the performance by the Browns defense. And I mean, they kind of needed it, I guess, coming off that loss against Pittsburgh. You didn't want to go to one and two. And I was with you on your Titans plus three and a half. I didn't take it, but I like that number. This these when I see these two teams, it it screams 2017 or or 2320. Just just a field goal game and these two teams running hard on the ground, just kind of going back and forth, long possessions. We didn't see any of that. I mean, Deshaun actually had his best game as a Cleveland Brown, probably, aside from the one, you know, backwards pass that he threw. But he had, you know, 289 yards, two touchdowns, pretty good. And uh, I mean, the Browns running game might, uh, no, is, and 
it, it took a huge fall with Nick Chubb injured. I mean, they had two, four, six, seven different rushers in this game, and no one got over 30 yards. Yeah, that's tough. And it's going to start showing in this offense, I think. Like, if you're not going to be playing against the Tennessee Titans defense every week. And I think that the more that Deshaun has to do, the less he's going to be good. I think he's, you know, if you can let him finally get comfortable and not have to do more than he should, I think this offense starts to look a lot better. But with Chubb going down, it's just a nightmare. This defense is going to have to do a lot of work in the upcoming weeks to kind of just constantly keep them in games. Yeah, Chubb Chubb was their best player on offense, and now he's out. And we know Deshaun can make some errant throws. And uh, they they need Kareem Hunt to get back in game shape as quick as possible if if they want a chance to kind of like win this division, win the AFC North, and then kind of just compete in, for the rest of the season in general. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we'll take it to the very last one now. The Bills get right against the Commanders. 37-3, absolutely insane line in this game. Like it started out at 6 or 7. It moved its way down to 4.5 for the bills before kickoff it was i it was mind-bending to me i think the bills offense is really starting to warm up and look really good allen's finding digs on some cra- he had some crazy throws in this game and i think that the the commander's offense was just never in it their defense was on the field way too long it's the recipe to get blown out by the bills we've seen it a million times yeah this this is one of those buffalo get right games i think you, you see it every year um, they seem to own my only critique on the bills and we won't go into it too hard, but they seem to only throw a stuff on digs. It's very true. It, and like, even in like desperation plays, it seems to always end up going to him as well. Yeah. I don't know if that's because, you know, he he's crying and, and whined the most, but like you, you need a secondary wide receiver. Cause I mean, the dolphins next week are definitely going to look at doubling the digs on a lot of the game, I would assume. And one or of those guys you, is Xavier Howard. Like it's exactly. not the same matchup. Yeah, you're not going against a rookie cornerback next week, Stefan. So we'll see if the Bills can kind of like adjust and change their game plan going into Miami next week, which is going to be the best game of the week. And unfortunately, it's not prime time. We get Zach Wilson on it. prime time next it. week. Zach Wilson yeah. is going to be crucified on on national television next week. Like it's already bubbling up. He's going to go start that game and play like shit and absolutely be crucified. Yeah, well, he he played terrible against the Patriots this week too. But yeah, the Patriots got to win. Yeah, Patriots got to win. Good for the Patriots. Uh, the AFC East is eating each other alive in that sense, and I love it. Like t- they're just draw everybody, but the Dolphins is just dropping divisional games. Next week's going to be the real test congrats jake you got your win uh the patriots kind of like 15 points i don't know it's just not good it's not a great game to talk about uh jake if you if you made it this long in the podcast you got to hear about the patriots win uh but i think that that does it for today at the goalpost we'll come back later in the week with our preview for the weekend until then patrick see ya see ya damien